1: Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film, Almost Famous, one minute
2: at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. Hey everybody, I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Reel and the Marvel Movie Minute. And I'm Pete Wright,
0: also from The Next Reel and the Marvel Movie Minute. Hey, welcome back uh, Andy and Pete. How you doing? great thank you for having us what a great
2: set of minutes
1: yes well well you and you guys have just knocked it out of the park so
2: not too much pressure it's an easy set of minutes to talk about because there's a lot of interesting stuff happening
1: cool yeah and uh this is friday uh with minute 21 and it starts with the band-aids hugging and ends with a bus pulling in at the top of the ramp
0: okay let me start by saying this minute sucks because it's a cliffhanger <laughs> how did we get this this is like this is we're coming back next week screw it <laughs> who's here next week they're not they're uninvited whoever you are bumpkin take a seat bump they're the matt damon of this we, show we, <laughs> <laughs> sorry matt we want to talk about the buzz people okay first band-aids andy <laughs>
2: yes no it's you know i love these band-aids i mean <laughs> i really do but this is this is what i was talking about last uh in the last minute they're band-aids until all of a sudden somebody famous is driving by and yeah. here we have ozzy osborne <laughs> getting driven by and they freak out they're like ozzy ozzy and they just like totally like run up to the car and they're hitting the windows and all this stuff and and Pilexia is just like don't you remember me and it's like all this sort of stuff it's me polexia as if he remembers i I love that it's like this, it's a great defining moment of kind of the, of fandom and how excited they can be and uh, where that fine line is between band-aids and groupies. I think it's great.
0: But you know what I love even more than that is that when you look at this scene and you look at what uh, they, these, the two of them are doing. Uh, Penny is not. Penny is the stoic. Yeah. Penny yes. is the one who changed the game. Penny should run a school on this stuff, and she's the one who is a Band-Aid. Everybody else is still a groupie. They just aren't finished learning yet. They haven't blossomed.
1: Right. Much you have to learn.
2: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Much to learn. These little <laughs> Much pad you ones. have to learn. That's right. And according according to Estrella, she is. She did teach a school. Like she, at the last yeah. minute, she's yeah. like, you know, she she had the, you know, she taught everybody what does she say she has a line or she she used to run a school for band-aids it's yeah. like yeah i don't, I don't even know, know what that means from
0: this. <laughs> yeah either these girls were not in that school or <laughs> right or we know that penny while she's an exceptional band-aid yes she is not a great
1: teacher how
0: about that right.
2: exactly <laughs> oh so funny well and
1: my <laughs> note is is that they're very excited for the, for that moment but then they go back to being very casual yes. and laissez-faire and stoic, like you like you say a little bit.
2: Yeah. Yes. And what I find so interesting in this minute is, you know, earlier we had uh, we had Freddie who kind of told uh, he he did not want William to be around, and he said, mm-hmm. "Go back to the top of the ramp with the other girls." and then but when it comes time and this i mean i know i'm jumping to kind of I'm later sure. in the minute but when it comes time to letting the girls in because sapphire managed to get in apparently with Ozzy and because they saw her in the car she comes out she's got passes for everybody and and you know and and freddie's like totally he's okay with it and it's it's this world that i think i don't know i find really interesting and i think certainly there was this world that existed where these these band-aids or groupies however you wanted to find them if they if they had the right means to 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 find the pass that could get them in the freddies of the world would let them in but the freddies of the world were very uh you know they they had their watchdogs out for people like william who just didn't fit and i i don't know i find it really interesting in this minute that he still has it out for william he's like oh no no not you (laughs) I love it. I think it's just really fantastic. Um and, and so
1: you mentioned um, you know, sapphire sapphire in the car and the limo. Mm-hmm. With on, yes. and and, she, uh, and speaking of great entrances, yeah. right.
0: Right. This is an, another fantastic entrance, and this is the sort of a different kind of royalty. Yeah. It's more the Amadeus style of royalty.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> what it's referencing is Robert Plant
2: yes in concert which i never realized and until and, and this is why honestly i really love these movies by minute's shows because you find opportunities to to glean this information that otherwise would have passed you by just because i wasn't enough of a fan of kind of mm-hmm. like the music world and i didn't know that there was this whole element of robert plant and this does anybody remember laughter line that he would say in concerts i think that's really interesting stuff
0: I do too I think it's fantastic what it but i'm not i'm I'm not up on like what he what he meant by it like right? what does he mean by that and how did that start
1: um well <laughs> you know let let me say first though for me personally though it 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 passed me by as well you know even though I had seen you know it's i mean there's 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 the zeppelin concert uh footage um uh, now, why? Why also? I'm blanking on the name. Like of Like the, the song remains the, the same. Yeah, or the song remains the same. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. You know, I I, I my understanding is it's, it's it's in there. You know, and I know I've seen that. Um, yeah. But right. Right. It it's not something that st- stood out and was repeated for me. Um. Uh, f- for any anyone in my friends group or anything like that, had I re- ever really uh, uh, heard that repeated, you know. Um, certainly not like it's all happening. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's one of those lines that yeah. I. It, it's such an odd line to kind of say often in a concert, and uh, I don't know. And just kind of reading about it, it sounds like when they were actually releasing a DVD of of the concert, he actually wanted the engineer to remove the line because he, uh, he found mm-hmm. it to be embarrassing at that point. Yeah. But the but the, <laughs> the engineer is like everybody is expecting you to say it. You have to, it has to be in there. And so I think it's so funny that, that it's a, it's something that he just started saying, apparently. I mean, that's my understanding is he just Mm -hmm. kind of started saying it during stairway to heaven because he's got the line and the forest will echo with laughter. And, and he would throw that out and it became this thing and everybody wanted it to be there. And I don't know. I, I find it to be an interesting (laughs) Uh, just kind of one of those like asterisks in the world of rock and roll that you kind of hear about. And it's like, I don't know. I find when she comes out and says it, I just think that it, you know, for them, it's also this asterisk. It's something that they know about that a lot of people don't know about, but here she is throwing that line out there. And I don't know. I just think it's, it's cool that it's in there. And it, it, I think it goes to show Cameron Crowe. He is a guy who understands rock and roll. He's been around it. He was a writer and he's kind of putting these in the movie um, because it was a part of his life, but also because it is his own asterisk that he's throwing in here for people who were fans of all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, it's credibility building for him as Certainly. a writer-director.
1: Yeah. Um, so I have come across at least just like one little back and forth between a couple people in a forum who say, you know, one person says, I think maybe, does anybody remember laughter means something like... In this time of spiritual darkness and cold irony, we have lost the childlike gift of laughter. Um, okay. And, and then then goes on. And what do we make of this, whether medicated or otherwise? <laughs> and another person, you know, says this is also my take on it. You know, so there's a couple of people out there talking about this. You know, you know, you know, trying trying to stay youthful. I think there's another maybe another way to put it.
0: Well, and that certainly works for the scene. Uh, It it sounds like Mick Wall uh, captures the story that Andy just told in his book, When Giants Walk the Earth, a biography of Led Zeppelin. And that's going to be the definitive, (laughs) non-speculative story of the line. (laughs) And that Robert Plant hates it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good.
0: But you know, he's old. Right? <laughs> right? He probably doesn't even know what it means
2: anymore. <laughs> oh, so funny. It's a great line. Yeah. It's a great line, and it's a great introduction for Sapphire. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is really fun in this moment, is that it, it's used as this opportunity to introduce uh, Sapphire. Not just, I, I should say, not just the line, but the fact that we are introduced to her by her feet, I, I love that when she <laughs> yeah. bursts through the the door at the bottom of the ramp, it's we we see her like just those those thick, you know she's she's really wearing and wearing them well those those glorious seventies uh, just those shoes with just those incredibly big heels, you know, just uh, really cool shoes, and then for Balka just kind of shouting that line out and. Inviting everybody in it's like the welcoming (laughs) the welcome call that they were all waiting. It's great
0: Well, that's just like that's just instinctively good John toll camera stuff, right? I mean that's like being able to capture that line in that position uh, with her in that just body shape and for him to start at her feet is, is uh, it's, it's that incredible reveal. It's just such a strong use of camera and movement and height. And she's not a tall person, but she feels like she's about 24 stories tall.
2: Yeah. Right. What do you guys take on Faruza Balk? Do you guys uh, like her? And does she work as one of these, uh, these band-aids for you guys? I, I think personality
1: wise between, you know, we've already been talking a bit about, uh, you know, uh, the, th- the three others we've we've had some some takes on them a- and this is just another different personality in the group that, that 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 she's more this uh darker one in a sense i think this she has this darker sense about her the um yet at the same time she has this amazing intro of herself um to us in the movie um but also to the the other uh, band aids
2: And what's interesting, she is older like uh, as the actress. She is older than Mm -hmm. the other ones. Um, But she also comes across as an older Band-Aid, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily like the leader. And and I think that's interesting because Kate Hudson, as Penny Lane, still kind of carries that mantle as kind of the one who really is the one who's behind this grouping of these Mm Band-Aids. Sapphire definitely feels like she's kind of under that still, still, but but definitely feels like she's an older one. And so maybe she's like second in command if we're putting this in rankings yeah, or something. She, she's Riker, too. <laughs> right. Penny Lane's Picard. Right.
1: No, Sapphire one, is the Riker. Go, go out and do the away group. mission with Black Sabbath.
2: <laughs> and get us into their the, base. The Black Sabbath away mission. I love that. I'd love to see that Star <laughs> Trek episode. <laughs>
1: Um, uh, but yeah, for for his book though, I mean, and I, I I know I saw it in the theater. Return to Oz. Oh, me too. <laughs> I was yep. I was of that age. I loved Wizard of Oz when I was a kid, especially, and and uh, it came out right at the right time for me. And it wasn't scary like everyone else. I've, I've been here lately. <laughs> for me, <laughs> I didn't find it that scary.
2: Well, I actually rewatched it really recently with my kids because I'm I, my recollection of it was it was enjoyable and actually yeah. um, Marvel this is kind of a weirdly tangential to our own show, but Marvel had done a really fantastic and beautiful series of The Wizard of Oz where they adapted a lot of the the books that uh, Frank L. Baum had written. And um And and so I read through that whole book with my my son, just kind of going through uh, and really kind of exploring the world of Oz. We had such a great time reading those comics. And so then we watched Return to Oz. And I will say, it gets a lot of flack. But they actually, I mean, yes, it's not what you get out of The Wizard of Oz from 1939 with Judy Garland, which is its own special thing. But Return to Oz they actually, I felt, captured a lot of what uh, what Baum had put into uh, kind of his stories. I think that there's a lot there still. And so, you know, people can say what they will about it. But when you actually look at the stories, there's a lot there that, that they captured. And I think Feruza Balk actually works really well in that film as a young Dorothy. So take that, haters.
0: I've never <laughs> oh, seen what? it. I, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Return to Oz. In fact... I'd be hard pressed to know that. I mean, I'm sure we talked about it when we talked about Wizard of Oz on some level, mm-hmm. but maybe I, I, know, I can't remember. I yeah. just have no memory of, it, memory of it.
2: Yeah, there were there were so many. At- in different variations of the Wizard of Oz. I feel like we probably mentioned it when we we're talking about different versions of it that had come out. But uh,
0: but seriously, you guys saved from a psychiatric experiment by a mysterious girl. Dorothy is somehow <laughs> called back to Oz. One of a, a psychiatric. It's What dark. Oz it's,
2: is this? No, it's it's the real world. It's like a dark real world where she kind of the way that she gets to Oz. It's a dark journey. <laughs> Just
0: Oh, my God. Walter Murch. What were you thinking?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Good old Feruza. You know, it's funny because she's an actress who I feel like when she's in films like The Craft, Mm -hmm. in my head, I feel like that's the real Faruza. And I don't know if that's true or not, but she has turned into an actress who just feels like that type of character, you know? Yeah. Totally.
0: Uh she probably didn't even have she didn't audition for the craft. It was written for her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um one of the weirdest things I see on Wikipedia is the the uh something I've been watching, I've watched a few different bands on on uh, the NPR Tiny Desk concert uh just in yeah. the past month or two, but apparently there's this emo puppet band called Fragile Rock. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and they performed a song entitled
1: "Feruzabak." <laughs> on it,
0: on, oh on my high god, high god high fragile high. rock. <laughs> yes, so I am sad, and so am I. Oh, I am here for this,
2: fragile rock. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to look into this now. This yeah. just this, <laughs> yeah, great stuff, fragile rock. <laughs> So good,
1: <laughs> but it, but it seems like uh, she, you know she does. Uh, she's done some other things besides acting. You know, there's there's uh, you know uh, music and uh, art, uh, sculpture. It sounds like um, you know pretty interesting um, um, uh, person as as you know with with uh, act, acting. You know, a big part of her her uh, life, but um, some other cool stuff too. Can't say I've seen too much of what she's done. I mean, I, I, I couldn't have told you that she was on one episode of Sopranos, even, but uh, she apparently was. Um.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, she's she's an interesting I, she's an interesting actress that I have seen in not a lot of stuff, except for like her big things, like American History X. I definitely remember her in that, and The Water Boy. I like I didn't remember she was in The Water Boy, but uh, certainly she was. Um, and so she's she's one of those performers who I think, uh, you know she she's in well and actually I think at this point in her career I feel like she's in projects that she finds interesting, not doing it because she's you know just trying to get uh, paychecks, and because she's just not doing a lot of acting. I think she's probably very much the artist who does stuff that you know appeals to her and so to that i i you know certainly respect her i don't i I don't watch a lot of her films but i think she's a very interesting actress i think she works really well as a band-aid i think she's Mm -hmm. a great uh casting choice by cameron crowe
1: And uh, back to her as a band aid, Sapphire gives William the nickname that we hear almost mm. immediately, but elsewhere, certainly in the movie, uh, Opie. Right. Which which yeah. is the uh, the Ron Howard character that he played uh, as a child on uh, Andy Year for the Show.
2: Yes. Yes. Back in the fifties oh, and
1: early sixties.
2: It's a it's a fitting nickname. I think it works really well in context of his character. And it's funny that she she identifies that so quickly with him. You know, earlier we had, like when Pilexia arrives, we have Penny saying, you know, this is our journalist friend. Well, at least in the, uh, the untitled version. Uh, so there's kind of that introduction. Um, here, I feel like, She clicks right away with it and she gets a sense of his age and Mm -hmm. the journalist side doesn't matter. She just gets a sense of this eager beaver person who's in front of her and instantly identifies him as this young Opie. Well, And 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 she doesn't get the, she
1: doesn't, she doesn't get the introduction either. Right. Exactly. Right. So she just, hectic. (laughs) Yeah. At this doorway. Well, she was with Ozzy. I mean, (laughs) right.
0: (laughs) Also, sometimes I call Cameron Crowe, other Ron Howard. Oh, it all comes around. It, it all gets a circle of of op.
2: I want to know what, what's Ron Howard number four. <laughs> <laughs> hey. bring it around. Just bring it, bring it, it around. around. <laughs>
0: That's right, Ron Howard
1: number four. <laughs> Still funny.
0: Still funny. <laughs> <laughs> Loving those callbacks. Yep, and, and then
1: uh, the other girls really just, uh, you know, Penny and Plexia, not Estrella. They seem to be willing to try to help get William backstage.
2: Yeah, Plexia, I mean, or no, sorry, um, uh, Estrella, I mean, she just takes off. Like she, she yeah. sees that open door. She clearly, well, and as we saw when, when Ozzy drove around the corner, she was like one of the two who just like started, you know, pounding on the door and everything. So as soon as, as, as soon as the opportunity presents itself, yeah, she bolts down that thing to go inside. She's super excited.
0: And yeah. And weirdly, yeah, it's open. She, uh, that, that Penny is kind of last, I guess this is her, this is her level of groupiness. Insofar as she was able to stay the stoic for the, the initial round of groupiness, her making the run for the door is, is like her level of enthusiasm when, when the teacher becomes the student once again.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And, and she makes her way back just a little bit in order to get, yeah. uh, get a hold of William's hand.
2: Well, mm-hmm. how, how does that work for you guys? Does that, do you guys feel that there had already been this connection or is it just because kind of that eager youth that, that Penny sees in him that, that, mm-hmm kind of because i i don't think that these band-aids probably largely would like if this was say lester (laughs) would (laughs) would penny be grabbing onto his arm to drag him down with her or is it just the fact that this is this eager young fan and she sees that in his face is that what it Mm -hmm. is what do you guys think
0: oh i i think so absolutely and i think this this sets us up for an incredibly important callback later. And so uh, the, the case that I make here is that um, as a band-aid, we have a certain impression about what these girls are going to do when they go to the other side of that door. And uh, at the very top of the list is get distracted by how awesome it is and forget that they just left the 15-year-old poser journalist outside. And uh, so we have this little tease of a connection that gives us a thread, something to hold on to that says maybe there's hope. Maybe there's hope that she is one that's for real because we don't necessarily trust the others. And that's what makes it so much more important, that little tiny moment that comes minutes later. When she actually returns with the pass that he obviously doesn't need, but it tells us worlds about how different she is from everybody else. I think it's incredibly important. It works so well for me.
2: And it really does end up setting this uh, love story in place that we get. This this draw that Mm -hmm. William has to Penny, despite this kind of... uh, you know the fact that she is drawn to uh, to Stillwater and and kind of has that own uh, love affair with uh, with the guitar player that we haven't met yet, but we're very shortly about to um, mm-hmm. as as, uh, as Russell kind of makes an appearance soon. But I, I think that it's very important that we establish this moment here. And I don't know. Uh, I mean, Eric, you. It sounds like you might have have a little more sense of kind of uh the the women in Cameron Crowe's life that kind of drew him in that that he was kind of referencing to kind of come up with the character of Penny Lane uh, did a moment similar to this happen where one of them like mm. kind of helped him get through the door did you find anything like that that Ooh, kind of he yeah, used not... to yeah i don't remember hearing anything
1: yeah i'm not aware of any anything quite like quite like that i mean that that's i mean it's, it's certainly possible you that know? yeah. there's nothing Illogical about uh, you know uh, any, any of this happening right here, so it's certainly possible. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's just just, just the, the whether it's the real Penny Lane or one or one of the other one or two or three maybe at the most I think um, uh, women that were groupies or band aids um, that uh, you know that he hung out with quite a bit you know but didn't. You know, I, I think it's 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 a weird thing for a teenager, for a 15-year-old, <laughs> to be coming into that, uh, especially as a man and not as a woman. As a woman, it's a little more understandable. They, they do certainly mature quicker than men um, at that age. Um, yeah. But for a 15-year-old guy, you know, seeing a girl that they're attracted to, you know, but they seem to have hots for someone else. Um, that, that's certainly a, a, a pretty big, uh, issue. And, uh, we definitely see it really play out and, you know, um, over the whole course of the movie, um, how that works out for itself that, uh, you know, he can get past that and, and hopefully, hopefully for the real Cameron Crow, you know, he, he was able to navigate those waters. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty yeah, well without, so... without getting without getting so bummed out at points like he does in this movie, <laughs> by the fact that, that uh, things aren't quite going as as the way he would hope them to,
0: yeah, right, right. I I think it's interesting. Just you look at alternative histories that that yeah. Kate Hudson came in to to read for a different role of one of the other Band Aids. Yeah. What well, well actually would... she was uh, actually was up it?
1: for she was going to be the sister. Oh, oh, the sister! Yes. Oh, ah, uh, yeah, that's crazy. But then I, I, I cannot who imagine some that. of the other people were for Penny Lane. But when one of them dropped out, then they realized, oh, okay, we need to, we need to have Kate Hudson be this yeah. part, and then, um, well, actually, oh, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about Zoe Deschanel though. Can't remember if maybe she was going to be Penny Lane. Oh man. I'm gonna have to look this up again here shortly. That would be
0: that would be really interesting too to see uh, Zoe Deschanel in that role. Uh, yeah. her just she's just so perfect in that sort of wide eyed mm-hmm. stewardess thing. Um, but you know, you know, uh, Crow has the same sort of of uh, awakening to to Kate Hudson as as we do, right? That that he I mean it, he writes that she was a revelation, possesses a great combination of mm-hmm. sexiness, charm, and confidence, and vulnerability that. Could just as easily describe Penny Lane, uh, but at least here he doesn't say who that really is. As a director, you put the camera on her, and you never want to cut away. You just want to watch her. Well, yeah, that's it. Yep. So Magnetic. true. Magnetic.
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's a strong way to go. I can't. Gosh, I can't imagine her as the sister, especially yeah. because Zoe and yeah. uh, Patrick they both like when their eyes are really wide, <laughs> their eyes are really wide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they've got great big eyes. And so it feels very familial. I, I really enjoyed the pair of them as brother, sister.
1: Um, So, you know, they, they don't get him in with them and he is dejected again.
2: <laughs> and I just <laughs> got to say, pretty dejected that- before the look on Freddie's face yeah. when he closes that door, oh, man, he just is enjoying that way too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That whole, not him. That's yeah. uh that's a good, good line. That's that point. Not and
2: just, him. And he just pulls the door closed with that yep. like smile and nod like, Hey, <laughs> Yeah. I'm only sad that we don't get to be here for his comeuppance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then sadly, we meet the bus, but we don't get to see who's on it.
2: You know, I have to say something I love about this moment that I don't think I ever picked up on until I, until watching it minute at a time and just kind of looking at it so much as he's walking up the ramp and the bus, it, it sounds like a clunky bus. Like it yeah, doesn't right. sound healthy <laughs> as it kind of pulls up and we see it kind of enter the frame as it kind of applies its brakes. Right. it. Interestingly sounds like kind of a drum beat like we're starting to get this beat like kind of this introduction of somebody important like it's kind of kicking in I I, something about that I really think is I I feel like that had to be something in the sound design when uh, Cameron Crowe is putting it together deeply
0: intentional. Yeah, yeah, the timing of the way the bus enters the frame as it shrinks around the horizon of this ramp too is is so satisfying
2: visually. Yes it works beautifully and yes yeah, I just I'm, love that movement it yeah it's a great entrance I, I, largely because of the sound design, but also you're right the timing of it is just impeccable plus you get that great like last moment of Patrick at, at the bottom of the steps as as he's kind of looking and kind of expectantly at the door nothing happens and he just kind totally. of like turns his head and it's almost like that like this didn't work yeah. out sort of <laughs> right, like
0: right. You know, I just, guess uh, I'll
2: go back to mom. Yep. <laughs> go wait for the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great moment. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, one uh, additional thing to mention about the bus at this point, it does have its name later that we find out much later. We can, we can go ahead and start referring to it now. And unfortunately you guys won't, won't get to it any much longer, but um but throughout the rest, maybe
2: uh, Doris. Right. Right. <laughs> Was that a thing? Did you find out like, is this something that, that different rock stars would do with their buses? Would they name them like ships?
3: <laughs> Cause I never <laughs> like ships are old, <laughs> like,
2: or airplanes, right? Yeah. The Betty yeah. may the, yeah.
1: Well, and, and I've even had, I've had friends, especially like in high school, but you know, even more recently, I believe too. Um, that, that have named their cars so,
0: <laughs> absolutely, it's, it's a
1: thing. It is a thing. So, um, what 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 else are you going to do while you're riding on the bus? <laughs> 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 but come up with a name for it,
2: right? So true, oh, okay. especially in this time because it's not like like these guys they would charter a bus and that bus would take them around the whole time. Mm-hmm it's not like they had been in a position yet i don't think where they they just had a bus that was always their bus right mm-hmm. cuz i think that becomes different like like a, a band that would be regularly traveling with their own bus and driver that would be kind of on their payroll it would always be the same bus i feel like the, it, they're still in a, in a point where it's a different bus each each season
0: Oh, oh, the it's like uh it's like musical buses.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, cuz they're just charting it for the season, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, right. So they leave their mark on the bus. Yeah. It's probably That was that was my impression. Doris in there somewhere. All right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. And um also very interestingly, uh the technically at the end of this minute, um very near the end of this minute, uh, the song ends as well. The uh song that's been playing ever since the very behind this week, Teacher, by Jethro
2: Tull. And again, going back to the timing of the song, and I can't help but feel like it's something that Cameron Crowe really used effectively in finding those moments. Like, there were some moments in the last minute, and even in this minute, where where Penny Lane is, she'll have a line or something, and it feels like the way that the guitar is hitting, it's emphasizing her line. I can't help but feel like Cameron Crowe really positioned the song so that we had those moments hitting at those right points.
0: Yeah, we get that last little bit of guitar as the door closes. And then that's like a chapter just ended. We're onto a new thing, and the bus introduces us to a new thing, both a new visual element and a new, as you said, a new sound design element that takes us into this next era, the next chapter.
2: Yeah. The next chapter in William's mm-hmm. life, for sure. <laughs> Um, so
1: that uh that might I, I guess wrap it up here for Friday. Um uh
2: is that all you have? You guys have or you feel like you've talked about everything? I think so, I think uh, I think I've hit all my points. Lots yep, of stuff that's what I got. About. Certainly. certainly. I, got. I will actually one thing that I did have written out, I just have to point out the fantastically painted blue bus that's kind of on the other yeah, side of this right, ramp yeah. that we see. <laughs> I don't know whose bus that is, but I feel like they're probably people who you want to be friends with. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, i thought that it's was it's the scooby gang yeah uh, right it's almost the, the mr. Machine kind of stuff the mr
0: machine right
2: that was so funny yeah but yeah that's it okay. that was my last thing um
1: so uh, i'd like to ask you both and actually uh pete if you're if you're up for it this time uh to go first um what is your history with this movie you know the first time you saw it and Oh, have there, been, um, have there been a bunch of multiple viewings, or...?
0: Yeah, you know, right... I, I think uh, right when it was released for Home, I immediately picked it up. It's one I've had in my collection, and it, and it's one of the movies that I, uh, that I put on when I'm not watching it, as well as when I'm watching it, you know? <laughs> like, it's just a movie that I like because I like the atmosphere so much. Um, I... Uh, I, I just really found a connection to Philip Seymour Hoffman and his craziness yeah. in this movie. And and I find uh, Patrick Fugit's character, I, I just find it deeply aspirational. And, uh, you know, as a guy who spent a lot of years writing and looking to be published, and there was a time when, you know, getting words in the Rolling Stone would have been um in in that particular magazine would have been of of particular note so it just it sort of takes me to a, a a place where uh i can kind of insert myself into it and and just feel good uh, about that space not to mention the fact that there isn't a single you know performance in here that doesn't feel like uh, I I want to be friends with these people. Like I want to hang with them. I want to be a part of of their experience. I want to, you know, I, I I love it when the movie can just take me to a different place like this. And and this is one of those movies.
1: Yeah. Wow. Very good. Um. So and then Andy.
2: Yeah. I I probably saw this opening weekend when it came out in uh, in September, um, two thousand. Um, it was in that period where I was, uh, you know, catching like everything that would come out opening weekend. And it just totally, I mean, Cameron Crowe, uh, you know, the the different people involved, uh, I think largely were all people I was excited about. Um, m- maybe not so much like uh, Kate Hudson or Patrick Fugit because I hadn't heard of them. But oh, like Billy yeah. Crudup, right. Francis McDormand, mm-hmm. Jason Lee, uh, they were all people, even Anna Paquin and Balk and Noah Taylor. I mean, they're all people that i had seen Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, and loved. I, I really enjoyed the the types of projects that they were doing. And so seeing them in a Cameron Crowe movie, it certainly is something that just would appeal to me. And, and again, this was kind of that period, like post uh, kind of uh, kind of post high school where I started getting into all the rock music and everything and, and really exploring and really getting into classic rock and listening to all this music. And so when this movie came out and it took place in 73, it just, it fit in kind of line with that type of music that I wanted to be listening to and just loved kind of that, that whole drive. I I instantly fell in love with this movie. I just think I, I really fell in love with these characters and everything. And, and yeah, it's just, it's something that I, I mean, I, Sadly, I don't think I put on as often as I probably would like to, like revisiting it for this show. I'm like, oh, man, I need to be watching this more because this movie just, I really connect with it. It's just great characters. Kind of the exploration of creativity and how people from all walks of life can really find a connection to it. I just—I think it's a really powerful film and I'm, I'm glad to have had a chance to revisit it for the purposes of this show.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: It's really, it's really great to remind you. Going through it minute by minute, I, I, I find that it's, it's rewarding to do this and still like the movie. Sometimes yeah. I worry about looking at a movie a minute at a time. It'll just from, it'll just un- unleash all of the crap that's going on in the movie. And it turns <laughs> out this, this movie lives up to it. I still feel good even after watching these three minutes one minute at a time. Good, definitely.
1: Glad to hear that. Um, so yeah, so this was a Friday and we're so glad to have uh uh Andy and Pete on. Um one last time real quick, uh give out your uh your uh plugs, your your links, uh URLs, what have you to
2: yeah, certainly. Uh, people can find us. Uh, you know, The Next Real Film Podcast is is uh, kind of our main source of everything. TheNextReal.com and MarvelMovieMinute.com. Um, both of those you can kind of connect to our shows. And uh, if you just search for either of those on any podcast platform, you're going to run into them. And uh, check them out. One of them is talking about movies from you know the silent era all the way up to modern films. Uh, and the other one is, is, very specifically Marvel, but we have fun uh, talking about movies in both, uh, both shows. So check them out.
1: Great. Um, so, and then, uh, my own, my own, uh, previous one, uh, one show, uh, was, uh, Watchmen Minute. Uh, and you can find that just by Googling or looking, looking, uh, put, putting that in into your, uh, podcatcher of choice. Um, and then, uh. What should have already started coming out earlier in this year was uh, feels like Weezer with uh, uh, Zach freaking Smith, and uh, you know that's going through Weezer one uh, track at a time in chronological order for that show, um, and then we definitely have to give the big shout out uh, to the moviesbyminutes.com and the uh, the grandfather of of that of that type of of this type of uh, podcast. Uh Star Wars Minute by uh Pete and Pete and Alex over there. Um so thanks to those guys who, who started this whole crazy thing. Um so this was uh Minute 21 here on Friday. We'll be back next week for minute twenty-two on Monday. Until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. It's
2: all happening.
3: I am a Golden God! Yeah!
0: Hey, this is Joe, and Ryan, from the Highway Hi-Fi podcast. The history of rock music is littered with forgotten weirdos, eccentrics, and scoundrels. Highway Hi-Fi is an examination of the lesser-known but equally vital aspects of music over the past hundred years or so through its most enduring medium, the vinyl record. We cover records that were made for plants,
1: truck-driving country songs,
0: the mafia's ties to record bootlegging, the ill-fated turntables for cars.
1: The Mexican Woodstock. Waffle House's record label. The murderous true crime roots of Stagger Lee. Leonard Nimoy's highly illogical folk
0: albums. The flammability of the Butthole Surfer's live shows. Cereal Box Flexi Disc. The strange byproducts of the American private press trend.
1: And so much more. Using trivia, deep dives into history and context, interviews, and curios from our record collections... We go track by track through the underbelly of music history to locate the roots of the world's fascination with vinyl records. Check out Highway Hi-Fi on all reputable podcatchers. We're a proud member of the Pantheon Music Podcast Network. Nissan has been committed to the EV game since 1947. Their EVs have traveled 8 billion miles. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. From the North Pole to the Formula E track to your coworker's garage, put the electric in EV with the Nissan Aria and the Nissan Leaf. Visit NissanUSA.com to learn more. Nissan, EVs that electrify.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football